Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, Nailed It. We hope it's a blessing to you. The past four weeks, we have been looking at some historical events that took place 500 years ago in 1517. These events were set in motion by a monk, a religious leader, who took a mallet and 95 statements that he put together. They were concerns, really, with how the church was functioning at that time. And he was just very, very bothered by how the medieval church was functioning and performing. And so he put these statements of concern together. He took that mallet and he nailed them to a church door in Wittenberg, Germany, in hopes of starting a debate and a discussion on how we can clean up the church. That posting has historically become known as the start of the Reformation, a spiritual awakening in Europe that resulted in five Latin statements. Let's review these statements. Sola Scriptura, Sola Gratia, Sola Fide, Solus Christus, and Soli Deo Gloria. That word sola means alone or only, and it is a faith statement that doesn't need to be accompanied by anything else. So these are all statements that can stand on their own, and this is what we've been walking through for the past few weeks. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. And soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. We've already talked about scripture alone, grace alone, and faith alone. Today we get the wonderful privilege of considering solus Christus, Christ alone. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your Bible or your device ready. Take out your talk notes Get your pen ready, and let's fill in some blanks as we walk through our time together. I want to begin with our big idea, and that is Jesus alone is the answer. Jesus alone. Not Jesus plus something over here, or not Jesus, and let's add a little bit over there. It's just Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the answer. Now, here's the deal. This is a challenging conversation. It's difficult. And it's not difficult because I don't believe this to be true. I do think it is true that Jesus alone is the answer. I believe that with everything inside of me. I have a life motto that I've taken from John chapter 3. I love these words. We find John the Baptist and he sees Jesus and he makes a profound statement In John chapter 3, he says this, He must become greater and greater, speaking of Jesus, and I must become less and less. He, Jesus, he must become greater and I must become less. John the Baptist was kind of a big deal. He was the forerunner for Jesus. He played an important role in Scripture, but yet here is John saying, That guy. Over there, Jesus, him, he 
must become greater and greater, and I must become less. And I have adopted this as my life motto, and I have tried diligently to say, you know what, Christ, with every action and word and attitude that comes out of me, I've got to work hard to make him greater and greater, and I must become less. I really believe that Jesus alone is the answer. But having said that, it's not a popular thing to believe. And the reason it's not a popular thing to believe that Jesus alone is the answer is because we live in a pluralistic world that is filled with options. It's this or that or that or even that. Let me give you some examples just so that we're on the same page. It's Coke or Pepsi if you drink soda. It's Nike or Adidas. Here's one for the ladies. It's coach handbag or fake coach handbag. Not that any of you would do that. It's Rocky or other boxing movies. It's probably a bad example because there are no other boxing movies. It's Apple or Samsung. It's Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Wawa or whatever. It's Home Depot or Lowe's or stay at home, sit on the couch and order from Amazon. How about this one? It's Kohler toilets or American Standard toilets. (laughs) I hope you choose Kohler. You get the idea. You get the idea. We love options, don't we? If you're anything like me, we love our options. It's this or that or that, and sometimes options work, but sometimes they don't. Let me share an example with you of when options don't really work, or at least this is how it plays out in our house. I have a picture of Cambry. She's my six-year-old daughter, and she is absolutely delightful. She is pure joy. She really is. She's in first grade, and one of the things we know about Cambry is she has to have a good night's rest. She just has to have that. If she doesn't, then the next day she gets cranky, and she's not pure joy. She's the opposite of that, and we'll often look back and say, you know what, I bet she didn't get a good night's rest last night, and often she didn't. So it's really, really important for us that she gets good sleep. And so here's what we don't do. We don't come to Cambry with options for going to bed. Hey, Cambry, you want, you want to go to bed at 7.30 tonight or 8.30 or it looks like you're having a lot of fun doing whatever this is right here. So how about 9.30 or yeah, whatever, 10, 10.30. Cambry, you just put yourself to bed when you want, when you're ready. No, we don't do that. Now, that might make us bad parents. I don't really know. But that's what we do with our seven-year-old. She doesn't have options on bedtime or six years old. Is she six or seven? She's still six, right? Thank you. (laughs) She's six. Now, here's what Cambry does. Here's what you caught me. Here's what Cambry does, though. She'll say, Dad, can, can you read me a bedtime story? I'll say, absolutely. I love reading to her, so I'll get next to her with her Junie B. Jones books, She loves Junie B, and we begin to read, and then I fall asleep. (laughs) 
And 30 or 45 minutes later, I wake up with a sore neck, she's asleep, and now I'm no longer tired because I've had my nap. That's what she does. I actually talked to Tanya and said, I think she's doing that on purpose. Tanya said, of course she's doing that on purpose. She likes somebody to be next to her. She's delightful, but we don't give her options on going to bed. All that to say, sometimes options or pluralism works, sometimes it doesn't, it just depends on context. Context matters. When it comes to faith in God, when it comes to having a right standing with God, which remember, this was a central question during the Reformation. How can a person be made right with God? How can we have that right standing? That was so important for them to know. And so they really wrestled with all of that. When it comes to faith in God, when it comes to having a right standing with God, options and pluralism, it doesn't really work. They have a problem. They have a problem. It seems that pluralism or options is making its way into the church a little bit. We hear it in statements like this. Well, that may be right for me to believe, but that's probably not right for them, and they just need to find their own way. Or I hear this statement quite a bit. There's multiple paths to God. We'll all get there some way, somehow, as long as we're sincere. The reformers didn't think that to be the case. And after careful and thoughtful and a scholarly study of scripture, they came to the conclusion, it's not Jesus plus effort or anything else. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, grace alone, faith alone, and the object of faith is Christ alone. And so the reformers began to cry, solus Christus, Christ and Christ alone. Now that seems kind of narrow, doesn't it? Why can't sincere people just find their own way? Well, I want to share two thinking points with you that addresses that question, and then we'll dive into our scripture. Here's thinking point number one. Offering Jesus alone is a shockingly generous act. Meaning God didn't have to do that. But he did. And so offering Jesus as the way is actually a shockingly generous act. And then thinking point number two, while this may seem like a narrow approach, it was God himself who chose this path driven by love for what he created. So it might seem narrow, but God is the one who chose this path out of his divine wisdom And he did that driven by love for what he created. Meaning, I want to have a forever forever friendship and and relationship with the people that I created. I, I want to know them and I want to enjoy them and I want them to enjoy me. And so here is the path. This is actually great news for us. So offering Jesus alone is a shockingly generous act. And while this might seem like a narrow approach, it's actually what God has chosen, driven by his love for what he created. Now, if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 
1 John is a book in the New Testament. It's near the back of your Bible, so if you start at the end and find the book of Revelation and turn to the left a little bit, what you'll find after that is, hey Jude, and I'm not singing two weeks in a row, all right? Not going to do it, but Jude is a delightful little book. I would encourage you to read that at some point. After Jude is 3 John and then 2 John, and eventually, if you keep turning, you will find 1 John. These are three little mini letters written by a guy named John, thank you, who also wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. So there are five books in the New Testament attributed to John. 1 John was written specifically to believers so that they could have some information and know some things about the person of Christ. And I want to pull apart three little unique statements that we find beginning with verse 1 of chapter 1. So here we go. These are the words of the Lord. We proclaim to you, and this is John saying this now, We proclaim to you the one speaking of Jesus. So we proclaim to you Jesus, the one who existed from the beginning. We could spend a lot of time talking about how Jesus always was. He existed from the beginning, and John acknowledges that right away. So we proclaim to you the one, Jesus, who has always existed, whom we have heard. Now keep this in mind, Jesus had returned to heaven approximately 50 years before John wrote this little letter. But John is saying, I remember the words of Jesus. I was there, I was an eyewitness, and those words are rolling around in my mind. They are etched in my memory, and I, and I want to share them with you. You need to know something about what I heard from Jesus himself. It gets better. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. To see is even more compelling, right? So get this now. John says, I heard him. I was there. And these words are still etched in my memory. I know what Jesus said. I was an eyewitness. I heard what he said, but I also saw Jesus. And this word saw is very dynamic because in the construction of the sentence, it means that he saw with understanding or he believed. So it was more than just an observance. I looked at him. Now John is saying, I heard him. I saw him with my own eyes. I saw with understanding. And I I believed in the person that I saw. Gets better. Third statement. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands, meaning he's real. He's real. This is not a joke. I heard him. I saw him with understanding and I I touched him. I touched him. I heard him, I saw him, and I touched him. And here's John's conclusion now. He is the word of life. 
This one whose life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is, say the words with me, eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life and Jesus were deep themes throughout John's book. And he wanted people to know there is a way that we can be made right with God and it is through the person of Jesus and this is how we have eternal life. He wanted people to know this, Christ alone. You may remember back in John's gospel, in chapter three, there are some very famous words that many people know and quote, I wanna read them to you. It's John three sixteen. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have, say the words, eternal life. Eternal life. So we find it in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. We also find it in John 3, 16. Again, eternal life and Jesus alone were big themes for John and his book. Exclusive? Yes. Is it narrow to say trust in Jesus alone? Yes. But it is a way, it is the way that we are made right with God and have a good standing with him where the righteousness of Christ's death and his life are credited to our account, something that we can't do on our own. So while it may be exclusive, it is a way, it is the way given to us, driven by God's love for people, for us. It's good news. It's good news, and the reformers held to this. Back in week one of Nailed It, our series here, I talked about this primary question of the Reformation. How can a person be made right with God? That's what they asked over and over and over again, and that led to these Latin statements, sola scriptura, sola gratia, sola fide, solas Christus. They began to develop all of these statements based on that primary question. How can a person be made right with God? Now, let's just think for a moment, okay? Think with me. What if God never answered that question? What if he never answered that? All right, God, we want to know how we can be right with you. We desire that. We want to know how. How does this happen? What if God never provided an answer? What if he just left that up to us and our good intentions as if that's possible? What if there was no clarity on the how? What if there was no clarity? Well, that would seem rather hopeless, wouldn't it? Like, okay, God, how do we do this? And just no answer it would mean that we could live however we would want to live because life is short, life is hard, and then you die. So just do whatever you want to do. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still walking away from God, while we were still falling short of God's glorious standard of perfection, while we were still offending God, with our actions and with our thoughts and with our words, God demonstrated, God showed his love to us in that while we were doing all of that, 
He sent Christ to die in our place. And through Christ and Christ alone, there is a way to have a right standing before God. Solus Christus, Christ alone. All right, let's get to our takeaways. Number one, I'd encourage you to write this down. You are loved by God. Accept it. Trust. All right, I want everybody in here to know that and to understand. You are loved by God, so accept it. And maybe that's new information for you. I've never thought about God and his love specifically for me. I want you to know, you are loved by God. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. You are loved by God. Accept that and trust. Maybe it's been a long time since you have heard anybody say that to you. Let these words just fall into your heart and into your mind right now that you are loved by God and this is something to accept and trust. Hear it. Put your anchor down on that. All right, we need some anchor points throughout life. I would encourage everybody in here to wrestle with this anchor point that you are loved by God, accept it and put your anchor down in that eternal life with him is something that you can enjoy. It's something you can have. You don't have to wonder about it. You can have it and enjoy it through Christ alone. And listen, no one can move this from your head into your heart, but you. So Christ isn't going to force his way into your life. You must respond. You must put your faith in and your trust in Christ alone. So we might have head knowledge about this, but only you can move that from your head to your heart. And I would encourage you to wrestle with that based on the fact that we are loved by God. A great truth. Great truth, so accept it. Secondly, if you have trusted If that is a step that you've taken at some point, how can you thank God for his incredible demonstration of love for you? In other words, how can you be thankful for this gift that we couldn't pull off on our own? Generally, when we get gifts, we say thank you. I think that generally happens for all of us. Often we fail to thank God for this incredible gift. Or maybe we did it when we first responded and we were overwhelmed with God's love and what he provided. And then life kind of happens and we get used to all of the lingo and all of the stuff and we stop thanking God. I think the challenge today is if you have trusted, how can you thank God with your life? Can I give you some suggestions? Nobody is agreeing. I'm going to give them to you anyway. All right. (laughs) Write them down. Here we go. Tell God. Tell him. Have a conversation with God. Pray. Again, normally when we're given something by someone that we really don't deserve, we tend to thank people for that. So thank God. Just have a wonderful conversation with him and thank him. And if you don't know what to say, because that seems awkward and strange and I get that, then I would encourage you to just pray some scripture to God. Just read a few things. Like Psalm 63. Write that down. I'm going to actually read this. It's incredible. Psalm 63. So if you don't know what to say, what do I pray and thank God for? How about this? Oh God, you are my God. 
I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. This is just stuff God loves to hear. From those who have trusted, my, my body thirsts and longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Are we living in a parched and a weary land where there's no water? Yes. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. What an incredible offering to God to say thank you for what you've done. And I long for you more than great food. At Psalm 63, Psalm 67, Psalm 100, Psalm 121, Psalm 139. Write these things down. These are great psalms to pray. Psalm 63, 67, 100, 121, 139. These are great ways for us to just say, God, thank you. Thank you. It's a way, if we've trusted, we can give praise back to God. So tell them. Secondly, hear this. Look at that family member, that coworker, that student through the lens of how God sees them. Okay? We all have very irritating people in our life that we wish weren't there. That's true for all of us. So for that family member, that coworker, that student, whoever, whoever's coming into your mind right now, view them through the lens of how God sees them. And here's how God sees them. He sees them as someone that he loves deeply. Deeply. And he wants to have a forever friendship with them as well. And perhaps God will use you to help them see the incredible truth of Christ alone. But if you want to live a life of thanks for the gift that God has given to you, then view that family member, that coworker, that student through the lens of how God sees them as someone he deeply loves. And by the way, he gave his life for them too. He did. So look at people through the lens of how God sees them. Thirdly, check your responses to life's challenges. When they come your way, when you get stepped on, what comes out of you? And does it point people to God? Does it give praise to him in the middle of that crushing situation or not? It's a great question for us to ask. Check your responses to life's challenges. Do we verbally puke all over the place right away? Or are we reflective and do we give an opportunity for God to get glory and credit in the midst of something very difficult? Let's think through that. So, you are loved by God. Accept it. Believe. Trust. And if you have trusted, how can your life demonstrate thanks for the God who provided the way for all of us to have a right standing with him? How can a person be made right with God? Solus Christus. Christ alone. Father, we find some amazing words in Scripture. 
and help us to know and understand your desire and your heart for us. God, in a shockingly generous act, you provided a way for us to be made right with you and we thank you and we praise you. And even though we might look at that and say, well, it's kind of narrow, there's not a lot of flexibility in that, God, it's a shockingly generous act because you didn't have to do that, but yet you did. That's the path you created for us, driven by love for what you created for us. And so, God, I pray that you would help those who may be here who have yet to accept the reality that you love them. I pray that today would be the day that they trust in you alone, that they respond to that that they believe it. They're loved by you. God, for others, help us if we have trusted to make sure that our lives are demonstrating thanks in significant ways for this incredible gift that you've given to us. Help us to say thanks. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Perhaps you're here and you're coming to grips for the first time that God loves you deeply and he has provided a way for you to be made right with him through Christ alone. And you want that gift? You're ready to respond to that? You want to put your faith in that work? the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, and you're just ready to respond, then I would encourage you in the quietness of this moment, from your heart to God's ears, say something like this to him. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know it. I've messed up. I've failed. Just tell him. And then offer up thanks to him for providing a way for you to be made right with God to have eternal life as we read about in 1 John and in the book of John, the gospel of John. That's available for us, so thank him for that. And now just tell him that you're trusting in Jesus alone. It's not Jesus plus your effort. It's not Jesus plus this or that. It's solus Christus. Christ and Christ alone and his death, burial, and resurrection and how he did all of that for you. For you to have a right standing before God. Just tell God that you're trusting in Jesus alone. And then thank him for saving you. If that's a prayer you've offered up for the very first time, I want to say congratulations to you. I believe that's the greatest decision you'll ever make in life. To be right with God. Congratulations. I want to encourage you to share that with somebody today so they can celebrate with you. And know, just know, you have a forever friend in Christ. He will never leave you. If you're here and that's a step you have taken at some point, maybe your life isn't saying thanks anymore to God for the gift of Christ. 
and just talk to God a little bit right now and say, God, I, I want to thank you and maybe I'll read some Psalms to you or have a significant prayer time with you at some point today or this week to thank you for the gift of Jesus. Or maybe I'll start to look at the people in my world and in my circles through the lens of how you see them and even when they irritate, even when I get frustrated, I'll still hold to the truth that this is a person you love deeply. Or maybe it's just time to acknowledge before God that you're walking through a tough time and there's a challenge right there and you want to be sure that in the middle of this, your life is pointing people to God. Let's talk to him about that. God, we honor you. We thank you. We thank you. You provided a way. You provided a way driven by love for us. Help us to respond appropriately to your greatness now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.